Psalm 96. This is what God's word says. King of the earth, sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wondrous works among all peoples. For the Lord is great and is highly praised. He is feared above all gods. For all gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord your families and the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Bring an offering and enter his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Let the whole earth tremble before him. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The word is firmly established, it cannot be shaken. He judges the peoples fairly. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and all that fills it resound. Let the fields and everything in them celebrate. Then all the trees of the forest will shout for joy before the Lord, for he is coming, for he is to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his faithfulness. These are God's words to us. Great to see you this morning. What a week it is to come and finally meet together. We get to sing. After all this wait, I could just see your faces beaming. Uh, I told myself, okay, don't sing too much. I've got a whole day of talking. And then like the first line, I reckon, I was like, nah, we're into this. We're building it out as loud as we possibly can. Uh, It's been a long wait, right? Uh, And what good timing for our Psalms series. We're spending a lot of our summer thinking about how we can be praising our God Uh, with this songbook of God's people. And I'm so looking forward to it. Uh, Our first week this week. We're going to see all kinds of things as we look through the book of Psalms. And it's been a big couple of years for us, hasn't it? I imagine for you, you're probably pretty weary, probably pretty tired this point in the year. You kind of need just a bit of refreshment for your, your body, for your spirit. You need a bit of rest. And my hope and prayer is that these Psalms would, would provide some of that as we are directed back to praising our God, as we think about these psalms that are emotionally raw for us. I hope we're connected to them, that they meet us where we're at. And today, well, I hope we're convicted of how bad idolatry is. That's, that's one of the things we'll be looking at, just how cruel idolatry is to our God. Uh, but also, 
I hope that we are drawn to worship our God as well. Drawn to worship the King. The King of creation and of salvation. That's what we're seeing today. I'm really looking forward to opening up that with you today. And as I was thinking about this series in the book of Psalms, uh, it just came up in my mind and I thought, what are the songs that we normally sing in our day to day? What kind of songs do we sing? And it felt like they were in two categories. There's the songs that we sing in the shower. The ones that we know every word to, we've, you know, we, we know all about the artists, we know why they wrote a certain lyric. Uh, they're in our psyche, we've heard them many, many times before. They meet us emotionally where we're at. They're the songs we love and we sing these songs in the shower and we love them. And yet there's this other type of song that is just sort of a bit of a mumble, a bit of a murmur. A song that we might hear somebody else sing And we might just join in for a time. So I thought of this when I was with my nephews and my nieces recently for a bit of a holiday. Uh, They had a couple of songs. You've probably heard of them. Uh, Baby Shark was the big one. Uh, Pretty old now. And the Propeller song. Uh, I'd never heard of the Propeller song until a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I'm sure for many of the parents here, you're you're remembering that time before you heard the Propeller song. (laughs) And these songs, they were just constantly being asked to be uh, sung by my uh, nephew and niece. And I've never seen them on TV. I don't know what they're about. But suddenly I was singing about a propeller going up, 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 and a down, 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 down. Uh, And the baby shark, the mama shark. uh, I don't know if there's other sharks. I don't know their backstory. I know nothing about these sharks. But suddenly I'm singing about these things. Purely because my nephew has a melody he's going along with. See, one song I, I love and I'm deeply invested, it's emotionally uh, connected to me and another one's just a bit of a mumble. I don't know, really know what's going on. I don't really know the backstory. It doesn't mean much to me. The song for today, I think it speaks to this reality. I think it speaks to this fact that there are those who are fully invested in singing to the Lord, like this morning. Uh, I saw many of you belting it out. Uh, it means a lot to you that there are those who praise God with their whole being. They know the lyrics. Their heart is truly set on God. And then there are those who sing a similar sort of song. And at times it sounds kind of similar to the song that we sing. But it's a bit more like a a mumble and a murmur. They haven't quite understood what the song is about. And what I'm talking about is the song of creation. The song of creation. Those who know the God of the universe, they address God as creator and they have the missing piece as God as the one who's created this amazing place that we call home. They give him thanks and him glory. But for those who, who don't know God as creator, this song kind of gets muddled up and it actually becomes a song of idolatry, this song of creation. They notice uh, good things in creation. They might uh, love these things and nurture the creation that they see. But without that link of God as the one behind this creation, the song gets muddled. It turns into idolatry. Uh, So we're looking at our first point for today. Uh, First of two points. Let us throw out worthless idolatry for the song of creation and salvation. See, this song, it starts off by saying, sing a new song to the Lord. And I don't think it's saying, look, Make sure every day you find a new song on your Spotify playlist or we have a one-and-done policy here at TAC. Clearly, it's not saying that. But 
I think it's an encouragement to respond to God with a sense of freshness, a, fr- a sense of um, considering new ways to actually praise Him. See, God is always doing new things in our lives. He's always blessing us in new ways. And I think it's a bit of a warning from just monotony and uh, going through the practices of worship to think about what a new song could be for us to sing to God. And this psalm, it hits us with another warning. Verse 5, you can follow along this morning. Verse 5, it says, All the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. It's a heavy statement, right? Are you convinced that every culture has sadly gotten it wrong? Notice it says that there's no exceptions. All the gods of the peoples are worthless. And in in ancient times, you might be aware that the uh, ancient peoples actually made gods to bow down and to worship uh, and to adore. They'd carve them out of stone or out of wood. They would honour and worship them. To understand this, you can think of Captain Planet and the Planeteers. There might be a photo that comes up there. Uh, If you're from the right vintage, you'll you'll remember this show. Um, And with these guys, you might remember there was earth, wind, fire, water and heart. It never really made much sense why heart was there, but that's all right. And as a bit of a crude summary of ancient religions, it's basically a bit like that this ancient idolatry that they would come up with. They would pick an element from creation and create a god from that element and they would bow down, they would worship that god that is kind of in charge of that sphere of life. So, for example, you've got Baal. He was worshipped by the Canaanites. He was the god or the sun god. And then we have Asherah. He was the god of the sea. Or Marduk. He was said to be the god of of thunderstorms which reminded me of last night kind of out of the blue but that's sort of what we see with ancient idolatry Uh, they pick a sphere of life and uh, find a god that they can bow down towards and for us it it feels very foreign most likely for you we can think that we're so removed from that world that I think most of us here probably wouldn't cut down a piece of wood and and suddenly bow down and worship it. Yet you're probably fairly aware that idolatry is uh, very common in our world today. As soon as we're tempted to kind of look at the, the ancient religions and just sort of smirk and laugh, I think we can just simply look at our phones, right? And think of those things that we often just look for a bit of a dopamine hit. Uh, we just look for something new in our in our day that can just become such a big part of our lives. We can look for our identity simply through our smartphones. And ultimately, they can actually enslave us. A a simple tool like that. They can train us. They can cause us to, you know, doom scroll all night as we look through the new stats for COVID or whatever it might be. So we might not carve out an idol from stone, but I hope we can understand this concept of idolatry. And God's Word actually helps us to understand this a bit. In the book of Ezekiel, in the Old Testament, God says that some elders in Israel, that they had set up idols in their heart. So we see this category of of an idol that's not this physical thing that they'd made, but an idol in their heart. These people had an outward kind of worship of God, 
But they were told that they were worshipping false gods within. They had this real heart problem. And it is similar to what Jesus goes on to teach in his ministry. In Matthew 15, he says that these people, that they honour me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So today, I would hope that each of us would take time to reflect on where our heart is at the moment. Do we have idols in our hearts at the moment? Uh, Calvin, he actually helps us understand a bit more about this idea of idolatry. Uh, His helpful quote says this, A man's nature, so to speak, is a perpetual factory of idols. So we need to keep throwing out the trash, the worthless idols. We need to keep taking out the bins every week, right? It's not a one and done thing. But maybe for you, actually you're from a background where you've had a lot to do with physical idols, maybe a carved image or something like that. Maybe an image that was supposed to represent a god. Maybe that's just a commonplace thing in the religious background that you've grown up in. And I was reminded this week uh, that this is the case for a lot of people in our area, a lot of our neighbours, our brothers and sisters. This last week, uh, I handed out some of the leaflets, as many people did. It's awesome to see so many gone from those tables at the back. And I was really struck uh, when I had a few conversations with some people, brief conversations. Uh, it, w- it was a great encouragement to just get out and to chat to them and hear a bit more about them. But every single person I gave a leaflet to that talked to me uh, had never been to a Christmas event. They'd never been to a Christmas event before. And I asked them, uh, do you have a faith? Uh, and every single person I met uh, had a Hindu background. And that was a real reminder to me of who my neighbours are, who my brothers and my sisters are. And I asked some follow-up questions and learnt a lot from them as well, which is great. But it really was in my mind as I looked at this passage. And my heart went out to these, these people that I met on the streets, uh, who that has been everything they've known, um, this Hindu way of life. And to see that God's word actually says that these, these gods in their lives, that they're actually worthless idols. And it's a heavy uh, condemnation. And if this is uh, part of your story, maybe you're still trying to figure out the place of such things in your life, we would love to talk to you. Uh, we would love to have a conversation and help uh, you understand what Jesus says about these things. Uh, but God's word is clear that there is this one way to God through his son, Jesus, and not many ways, and that there is one creator, God, and that we meet him in his word. And see, we've spent a bit of time already this morning to think about those people who maybe have had a lot to do with idols uh, and physical stones and uh, physical timber idols, Uh, but also for our sceptical neighbours, our atheist friends, we reminded that they have carefully crafted idols in their hearts as well. And it's the same for all of us. We need this radical transformation to take place, this radical shift. And I'd love us to think about where you went in 2021 through the craziness of COVID and lockdown after lockdown. uh, Did your life become one of self-reliance? I know for me at times it was. It was independence. It was not going to God as much to get me through. 
I hope that as you look back over the year that you'll see also times where you were heavily dependent on God through the struggle, through the pain of the year. And maybe spend today thinking about a few categories of potential idols. So thinking about work. What place does work have in your life at the moment? Uh, Is that who you serve? Or money? What place does money have in your life? Or a big list of things. Beauty, family, what about rest, uh, or power. There are, there are all kinds of, sadly, there's all kinds of things that can become idols in our hearts. And it'd be a great conversation starter, right? At the end of uh, today, to chat to someone about maybe idols in your hearts from the past and ones that you continue to struggle with. And it's all about this shift by what we're captured by. That's, that's uh, what we're talking about today. We want to be captured by God and worship Him as the centre of our lives, as the one who gives us happiness, gives us our identity. And I think it's helpful for us to remember that we can't just uproot an idol and expect that it will be all, all good to go. Uh, uprooting an idol is essential to understand it, to repent from it, to... Uh, maybe rebuke or challenge one another, uh, but they'll spring back up in their place unless we plant Christ in that, that spot. We need God as the object of our affection. It's about placing God in the spot that he, he needs to be. And this psalm, it is, has so many great reminders of how to praise God, how to put Christ in the spot that he, he deserves. Uh, I'll be drawing our attention to two particular things, so God's creation and God's salvation. So the song of creation, uh, I hope you, uh, this uh, summer holidays, I hope you get a real chance to enjoy God's creation. And I think for a lot of us, we've got lots of holidays planned to get away and enjoy all that God has made. Uh, maybe there's a trip or a holiday or a camping spot that you're really looking forward to. And I think it's a real danger to have that become an, an idol for us. Um, certainly in a camping trip I recently went on, I met many people who that had become their, their God, essentially, um, the creation that we find here in Australia. And so many Aussies, they just sort of mumble through this song of creation. They recognise how good it is. They love God's creation. They um, maybe give a God or God thanks for this creation. They do all they can to... Um, to keep it going, to be environmentally uh, savvy. But they've got that missing link, right? They don't see the God who is behind this creation. Uh, This psalmist who wrote Psalm 96, uh, they understood uh, the God behind creation. I hope we do too over this long summer holidays. And more than that, I hope we sing this song of salvation as well. See, we don't only sing about God's creative acts, but what he's done for us in our rescue from sin, from Satan, from the law. And I wonder for the Israelites, what would they have thought about as they thought about this salvation that they wrote in this psalm? Uh, You could look at a few passages. We probably don't have time right now to think about that question, but 1 Chronicles chapter 16 is a helpful place to start. You can see where this whole psalm is quoted there. And it's on the day where they brought the ark back into the temple. David brought the ark back into the temple. So that was an example of how they 
gave God great thanks for the salvation that they found, the, the presence of God coming back into their midst. So that's one way that a, an Israelite might have given God thanks uh, in their time. Uh, but I thought we might look at the book of Revelation because it actually gives us a really helpful picture of what we've just seen, the song of creation and the song of salvation. So hopefully you can see some of the words there taken from the last book of the Bible. In Revelation 4 and 5, we see uh, that the, uh, the elders, they praise God for creation. They say, you created all things and by your will they were created. And then there's this great silence in heaven. You might remember that part in Revelation. This is the silence that's piercing. And then out of that silence comes this song of salvation. Revelation 5.9 says, They sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Speaking of Jesus there, this is the song of salvation that is far more depth, far more that we can get there from just the song of creation. And this psalm, it is great news for every one of us. It's, it's great news for every one of us. It addresses all nations. You might have noticed that a few times throughout. Uh, verse 3, it calls the people of God to declare and to witness about God to, to all the nations around them uh, with no distinction. And this might be a bit of a daunting uh, idea as we think about sharing the gospel of Jesus to our friends and those around us. But the people of God, uh, sorry, the nations around us, the peoples around us need to hear of this message, need to hear of this one creator and saving God. And the people of God in turn were instructed uh, in verse 10, it says, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. So speaking there of God's kingship, that he is the king of all nations. And throughout this song, we hear of the king who is coming. You might have noticed there throughout this song, it's all about this Lord that will come one day. And that's a promise right throughout scripture of the coming God. In this psalm, the picture, it's, it's glorious, isn't it? It's a festival. We see all kinds of joy at God's coming in this heavenly place, this sanctuary. God's presence is magnificent. You see it there, his, his characteristics, they're personified almost as, if, almost as if they're angels in the heavenly courts. So you can see it there in verse 6 if you're following along. It says, Splendor. And majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. It's an incredible picture of this eternal God, his character on display. And even more than that, it tells us of what he's done for all peoples, this God of salvation. And it's a significant point in God's word, this broadening of the scope of salvation. Uh, it's not the only place that we read of this kind of the scope of salvation broadening to all nations. You might be familiar, you know, Genesis 12, uh, really early on, Abraham, we see that uh, through Abraham, all nations will be blessed somehow. And even in the book of the Psalms, we see this a bit of a development from the book, start of the book of Psalms through to the end 
of more and more peoples, more and more nations, uh, being brought into worshipping God, which I found really fascinating as I looked into. Uh, for example, Psalm 95. You could look at it there. Uh, the psalm, it's directed to Jewish people. Uh, you can see it there. It talks about their Israelite ancestors. So 95, directed to Jews. But then we have a very similar psalm, 96, directed to all nations, calling everyone to, to join in this worship song. And then if you kind of flick forward to Psalm 100, uh, verse 3, we actually see that some of the nations, some of the non-Jews, well, they're found with worship in their... In their um, they're actually found worshipping God with these words in their mouths. They say that we are His people. So it's actually this incredible moment where some of the shift is already starting to take place. And we see that as we look at the Old Testament community that it actually was... Uh, did involve some of these people who were not Jewish by birth uh, being brought into the community, these outsiders brought in, if they converted to, Juda to Judaism. <laughs> but we see through Scripture that this conversion into Judaism, it was a bit of a concession, really. Uh, there was lots of warnings, look, don't mix with the other nations because their idol worship, uh, their practices will, will infect or will uh, impact the Jewish community, corrupt the Jewish community. But we do see that people did still convert into Judaism, that there was these different laws given to be compassionate to the foreigner and the outsider. So there was this somewhat mixed group of Israelites in the Old Testament. And this great dividing wall, you know, Jews and non-Jewish people, uh, that hadn't been broken down until Jesus comes. But we start to see some of this development in God's Word, which I found quite incredible looking at the Psalms. And in this Psalm, we've seen that there's a call for all people to glorify God. His, his coming, it's described in this festival way, uh, bigger than Christmas, bigger than anything you can imagine. You know, even all of creation uh, joins in. Did you see there the, you know, how all the trees join in in rejoicing God, even the seas do too? Yet, when we think of how this promise in Psalm 96 was fulfilled, it doesn't really look much like that, does it? It looks a bit different. It's surprising how Jesus actually arrives. See, in Isaiah, we read about Jesus. He grew up, uh, he grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. See, our psalm, it spoke of the majesty of God, the beauty, the strength, the splendor. It listed it out. But in reality, Jesus comes. He's this humble man, a weak man. He would have looked ordinary, nothing actually to, to help him stand out. And it's mind-boggling to, to think of this description of Jesus without this honour as a man, as a servant, as a servant who died for us. And at Christmas time, there's this whole festival that's going on, right? Like Binalong is full of Christmas lights and there's so much joy around this time. It is this festivity. And I found it really fascinating to see uh, this joy and I hope that together we might join in with these festivities at the moment and remember Jesus who came without 
all the fanfare, as this humble uh, man, without beauty, without strength. And of course we know that he, uh, he, he gave us salvation through his death for us. Jesus, he gave up his throne and made himself nothing for our sake, seemingly with no strength, no beauty, no splendor, but he did come as our saviour. And he's the one who allows us to sing to God about this salvation. And today we've only just scratched the surface of this amazing truth. Uh, Do come back in less than a week's time. We've got Christmas, uh, all kinds of services there where we can consider more about this arrival of Jesus, the surprising arrival of Jesus and how it does impact us. It, It has brought for us salvation. So I might finish together in prayer. So do pray with me now. Dear Lord Almighty, we confess that we don't always treat you as God, uh, that we have all had idols in our hearts and they linger on. Uh, Do give us discernment today to think about ways that we do not follow you and the things in this world that we might put above you. Uh, Help us to have great conversations about this. And Lord, we thank you for Jesus, our Saviour, who came as a humble man, a servant who died for us and that he has bought for us salvation through his blood. Uh, We thank you so much for this psalm. Thank you for the songs uh, that you've given us to praise you with. Thank you for today that we can actually sing together and encourage one another. We thank you for the encouragement you give us uh, today in our faith. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.